0: When God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, he instructed the people to conduct multiple celebrations throughout the year, to just celebrate what God was doing in their lives. A couple of those celebrations I want to make mention to you this morning. One was called the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks happened in the summer. In June time, it corresponded with the harvest of grain. And so the people would go out into fields, and they'd take these tools called sickles that would cut down the stalks of grain. And they would cut down the stalks of grain and gather them into piles. And they would take those piles of grain attached to the stalks, and they would take them into the threshing floor, and they would proceed to thresh the grain so that it would separate from the stalks, and they would then separate the grain from the shaft. And they would get the food from uh, the grain. And, and as they did this, this harvest would create a moment of celebration for the people. They'd be so excited, they'd be full of joy. They'd have parties and celebrations around this great moment of harvest. And this festival of weeks was, was done because God wanted his people to celebrate his provision. His special relationship to them that was inaugurated in a particular way when they entered the promised land. And so they had the festival of weeks. And then the festival of tabernacles corresponded later in the year in the fall with the harvest of the grapes. So what they would do in the fall is when the vineyards were full of grape clusters that were so ripe and so heavy, it would be hard to bear. They would go in there and get these clusters of grapes off the vine and they would take them to the wine press. They'd fill up this huge vat. Full of grapes, and they jump in there barefoot and stomp those grapes, getting the juice to come out of the grapes and flow into a lower vat where they collect the juice from the wine press. And as they did this, they would literally shout with joy and sing songs of celebration. And the Feast of the Tabernacles was this amazing time of celebration in the harvest of the grapes from the vineyard. Now, I don't know if you're that kind of person that has issues with feet. Like there are some people that got real issues with feet. They they don't like to see people's feet. They don't like to be touched by people's feet. They even like to wear socks all the time because they don't like to see their own feet. Now, I don't have issues like that with feet, but I can tell you right now, If I was engaging in the harvest of the grapes and it came time to hop in the wine press and smash the grapes with feet, I'd be lining people up for feet inspections. I'd have them sit down, I'd look at their feet and I'd make sure they've washed them. I mean, think about it. This is a day and time. People didn't take showers. They didn't have facilities like they didn't. They weren't concerned about hygiene in the feet like we are concerned and our feet are gross. So you can think about what their feet were like. And I'd be sitting them down investigating their feet and I'd want to sanitize it. I'd want to wax them. I'd want to, I'd want to do everything you could to clean that thing up. And I'd want to have certain categories of cleanliness before you got into the vat and stomp the grapes. And I'd be like, if I'd be sitting on the side, I'd be saying, oh no, Uncle Jimbo showed up. He has got the funkiest feet ever. His toenails are absolutely awful. Please don't let him get into the wine vat. You know, I can just see these conversations occurring. And so when this is going down, here's what I envision this being like. I see this this press filled to the rim with grapes bursting with fresh juice. And a few people get in there who've passed the clean feet test And they start smashing these things out and they're getting excited and they're getting full of joy and they start singing and shouting and all of a sudden everybody is caught up in the celebration. And the next thing you know, people in the wine press who are just covered with juice are yelling out to Uncle Jimbo, come on in here with your gnarly toenails. This is a party. You know, it's just super exciting. That's the Feast of Tabernacles. Celebration. You know, God told his people that he would send rains and weather in just the right time and just the right pattern so that the people would enjoy the bountiful harvest and be able to celebrate his provision. And he did it. Now, many, many years have passed since God instituted those festivals And many nations have risen and fallen since those days. But every nation in every time period in the history of the world has understood clearly what it means to celebrate because of a harvest. In Acts chapter 14 the word of God tells us that God allowed the nations to go their own way. And while the nations went their own way, God did not leave the nations without a witness. And the witness that God has left the nations who have pursued their own way and left God behind, the witness that God has left the nations is the witness of reigns, And harvest so that their hearts might be filled with food and rejoicing. Do you see that? God has given every nation in all history the opportunity to experience the bountiful celebration of harvest as a witness that He is God. And the saddest reality is that the world has largely celebrated the harvest with absolutely no concern for God whatsoever. Like in the days of Noah. When a flood was about to come on the earth, the people were living as if God did not matter. And today, we live in a world that is doing the exact same thing. Revelation 14 starting in verse 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud was one sitting who was like a son of man, having a golden crown upon his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. John sees a vision and his attention is arrested by one who is like a son of man. Do you remember the last time we heard that description in the book of Revelation? It was all the way back in chapter 1 when we encountered the very first vision of Jesus Christ, one like the Son of Man. And here in Revelation 14, we see one like the Son of Man, now seated on a white cloud with a golden crown and a sharp sickle in his hands, as if to set the stage for the vision that clearly communicates sovereign Power and victorious authority to wield that sickle. Verse 15. And another angel came out from the temple crying in a great voice to the one seated upon the cloud Put in your sickle and reap. Because the hour to reap has come. Because the harvest of the earth is ripe. This other angel comes out of the temple of God. The very dwelling place of God. Carrying out the clear command of God the Father. And the hour has come, an hour that the scripture has told us only the Father knows. And from the dwelling place of the Father has come a messenger to declare the hour has come. Revelation chapter 1 begins with the phrase, the time is coming soon. Revelation chapter 22 contains the phrase, the exhortation, the time is near. And right here in Revelation 14 we see a vision of the hour that comes. This is the final hour. Look at verse 16. And the one seated upon the cloud swung his sickle upon the earth and the earth was reaped so far this doesn't sound like celebration Look at verse 17. And another angel came from the temple which is in heaven having also a sharp sickle. And another angel came from the altar having power over fire. And he sounded in a Great voice to the one having a sharp sickle saying, swing your sharp sickle and harvest the clusters of grapes of the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. We have another angel coming out of the temple where God dwells. Carrying this sharp sickle. And then an angel comes out from the altar, having the power of fire, and declares, It is time to reap. You remember back in Revelation chapter 6, we read about those who have been killed because of standing in their faith in Christ, martyrs from underneath the altar who are crying out to God for justice. And God said to the martyrs in this vision under the altar that the time had not yet come for justice because it was still a time for mercy. Now we have an angel coming from that altar saying the time is now. At the altar there was an angel who had a censer and that censer was filled with the prayers of the saints wafting up in the presence of God. And that same angel took that censer and filled that censer in Revelation chapter 8 full of fire from the altar and threw that fire out upon the earth in judgment. Here we have an angel coming from that altar who has the power over fire. And nowhere in the book of Revelation will you find that fire is good news. The angel declares the time for the grape harvest is now. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. And the angel swung his sickle to the earth, and he reaped the vine of the earth. And he threw the grapes in the winepress, in the great winepress of the wrath of God. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is reaped, and the harvest is the wrath of God. And it is a terrible scene. Read verse twenty. And the wine press was tromped outside the city. And blood came out from the winepress as high as the horse's bridles for about 200 miles. The juice of celebration does not flow out of the winepress of the wrath of God. The blood of judgment. And it happens outside the city. Jesus Christ was slain for our sins outside the city. So that we might know that what happens outside the city is outside the mercy and the grace and the salvation of God. There was nothing poured out on Christ outside the city save the wrath of God. And this picture of the treading of the winepress of the wrath of God outside the city is a picture of the absence of the mercy and grace of God. This is the picture of the totality and the finality of God's wrath poured out on the world and it is absolutely shocking like when I read this and I factor in that we just read in Revelation 14 9 through 11 a statement about drinking in the undiluted wine of the wrath of God such that it is absolutely all-consuming and brings torment forever and ever. And then I read about the winepress of the wrath of God and blood flowing out of the winepress five feet deep for 200 miles and I honestly want to close the book of Revelation and leave it alone for a while. I just want to pretend it's not there. Do you feel that? I think about people that I know in my life that do not yet know Jesus Christ. And I read this vision of God's wrath and I want to just pretend this is not real. But it's real. And Jesus Christ has given us this revelation Today, in this moment, like this is the moment in time He ordained for our church family to hear this message and to see these shocking images. He wants us to see these images so that we might recognize the gift in the greatest and strongest warnings in Scripture. When Jesus talks frequently in the Gospels about the the final hour of judgment, when he talks about the harvest of wrath, every time he talks about those things, he is issuing forth a warning But it's not simply information. Like we're not reading Revelation 14, 14 through 20 today to learn information about the future. I would just as as much prefer God not tell me if it's just about information. This is not information I want to hear. But it's not simply information. God's not just showing us a grim picture of the future. No, God is graciously granting our church family this morning the strongest message of warning we may have ever encountered. And every time Jesus gives a warning to his people, It's meant to serve as an invitation to his people. In fact, the stronger the warning, the more profound the invitation. And I'm convinced that we may never encounter a stronger warning from God than we are this morning. Right now. God is speaking to our church family through Revelation 14 and he is issuing forth the strongest of warnings so that we might be brought low by the most profound of invitations. When Hurricane Harvey was approaching landfall, warnings were given out. in hopes that people would prepare for the hurricane that's coming. When a hurricane warning is more of a tropical storm warning, and you're still days away from anything developing of any significance, when you hear that information on the news, you read about it on the internet, You simply hear the warning of a tropical storm as if it were just information. But when it elevates to a category three hurricane, and they say it's about three days from landfall and it just might come into your area, you begin to pay more attention. But still at that stage, it's sounding more like information because anything could happen. You just keep going on with your life. But when you hear Category 5, 150 mile plus hours, miles per hour wind, catastrophic damage will occur. It's headed right to your hometown, and you have less than 24 hours to get out. That kind of warning. feels so much more like an invitation to respond and align your life getting out of the way of the coming storm. What we have in Revelation 14 is far beyond category 5. And is the most profound invitation to each one of us to cling to Jesus Christ like never before I don't care how tightly you've been clinging to Jesus before this moment some of you have been clinging to him because he's all you've got and you are desperately holding on to Christ some of you have been casually flirting with the idea of clinging to Jesus But you've walked into this room this morning and you have heard God speak to you. A Category 5 warning. And his plan for you, his plan for our church family this morning is to hear this warning as an invitation. To cling closer to him today and in the days to come than ever before in our lives. In the days of Noah, people were living in whatever way they wanted to live. The reality of the way they were living is that they were on a dark, dark road and they could not see what lay ahead of them. And ahead of them was a hairpin curve around the edge of an eternal cliff. And God had placed a warning sign in front of the people in the days of Noah in the form of a massive ark. And they literally would walk by the ark. And they would ignore the invitation to turn to the Lord. And they went off the edge of the cliff. But not so with Noah He heard the warning of God about coming destruction. And Noah aligned his life with the Lord and clung closer to the Lord than ever before, so much so that he was willing to lead his family to build a massive boat because a deluge of rain was going to come and flood the earth. Did you know that nobody had ever seen rain? But Noah was so moved by the significance of the warning of destruction of the earth that he clung to to the Lord closer than ever before and he's willing to do anything that the Lord asked him to do because he knew his only deliverance was clinging to the Lord. Our only deliverance is clinging to Jesus Christ. And today, today, He has extended His favor in issuing a warning that He longs for you to see as an invitation to come closer to Him. So will you plan to read God's Word this week, every day? We just leave today. With a plan, I'm going to open the scriptures every day this week and listen to the voice of God through the pages of God's Word so that my heart would be freshly captured. By the Lord and I'm going to if I'm able to get down on my knees and springboard out of the word of God into a time of prayer where I say to the Lord this is who you are that you've shown me in your word and I want to believe it I want to live like it I want to align my life with who you are in the areas of my life that have not been aligned with you I want to confess them as sin I want to turn my whole heart to you I want to cling closer to you today than I ever have before. Lord, I know that you see the road of my life. I cannot see the turns. I cannot see the blind hills. I am living in a world that is dark, and I'm living on a road I cannot see. But you know. You've promised to guide me through your word, and I need to find you. I need to know you. You cry out to the Lord like that this week. Be open his word. Spend time in prayer. And align your heart with him. The only right response. To this passage. For the people of God. Is to cling closer to Jesus. Than ever before. As we cling to Jesus Christ I don't want a single person in this room to miss the fact that today we live in the middle of a harvest everywhere you walk this week every grocery store every shopping center up and down your neighborhood, on your sidewalks, into your workplaces, every single place you go this week, you are walking right into the middle of a harvest. Revelation 14 actually indicates that reality in verse 4. In verse 4, there's a description of those who trust the Lord and the description is that these have been purchased as first fruits to God and to Christ. That's harvest language. These people have been harvested unto salvation so that now they are safe from the harvest of wrath. We are right now living in the middle of a harvest. Jesus tells us in John chapter 4, lift up your eyes and look and see that the fields around you are white unto harvest. He says in Matthew chapter 9, behold, there is fruit out there to be harvested so ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Do you know that we live right in the middle of a harvest of grace, mercy, and salvation today? And that there are celebrations related to harvest occurring All over the world, in Luke chapter 15, the Bible tells us that the angels in heaven rejoice every time one sinner comes to repentance in Christ. And all over the world today, people are coming to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And there are celebrations of joy around the harvest of grace and salvation happening everywhere. And we are being invited into the harvest of salvation, grace, and mercy via the warning of the harvest of God's wrath. And there is no one more suited to be a laborer in the harvest of salvation than those who are clinging closer to Jesus than ever before. When a vineyard worker walks to the edge of the vineyard, when the vineyard is ripe and ready to be reaped, he stands at the edge of that vineyard and he looks out across that vineyard and you know what he sees everywhere? Everywhere he looks, he sees clusters of the ripest of grapes bursting with juice. And in his mind, he envisions the greatness of the celebration that will come when he reaps those grapes. We must be a people who walk into the harvest field the grain fields and the grape vineyards of our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our families and we see a vineyard that is ripe and ready to hear about Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go Jesus tells us that people are ready to hear and follow Jesus. You don't have to go and wonder, is this a good time to tell them about Christ? You don't have to wonder, is this person ready? No, Jesus is telling us that we live in a harvest that is ready right now. And we need to see our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our communities as full of people ready to hear the gospel so that we will begin to simply make some new friends. Get to know some people around you and begin to have conversations with them that you can bridge into conversations about Christ because the harvest is plentiful and the fields are white. And this is the moment when as laborers in the harvest, we get to invite people to find Christ and escape the harvest of wrath. I suspect over the next several weeks, you're going to ask multiple people what they're going to do for Christmas. Like, that's a common conversation over the next month, right? You're going to have that conversation with many people. People are going to ask you that question. I suspect if you ask people that question, they'll turn back and ask you the same question. Do you know what that presents for every single one of us? An easy bridge to walk across to talk about Jesus Christ. The reason that we find such joy and celebration in Christmas. I first thought when I was going to preach this passage on December 3rd, to kick off the Christmas season, that it didn't really line up with Christmas because, wow, this is heavy. But then it dawned on me. A huge part of the reason we celebrate Christmas is because of the wrath of God. It was the wrath of God toward our sin for which God sent Jesus Christ to bear on the cross so that we might not experience the harvest of wrath. And those of us who celebrate Christmas are living right in the middle of a world that needs to hear about Christ the fields are wide to harvest and we must cling to Jesus Christ more than ever how will you respond to the strongest of warnings and the most profound of invitations today Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked man forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to God and he will have compassion on him. Let him return to the Lord And he will abundantly pardon.